All right. Hey, once you've met someone, you can go ahead and take a seat, but only once you've met someone. Um, hey, I just want to say welcome. Welcome to the exchange. We're glad you're here. If this is your first time, just want to say welcome. We're really glad you're here. That was a sweet time of worship before the Lord. And um, here's what we're going to do. We're actually uh, going to be in the book of Romans today. We're going to be in Romans chapter 10. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We would love for you to get a Bible so you can follow along with us. But we're going to be in Romans chapter 10. So you can turn there or take a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, that is yours. We just say that's, that's completely yours. Take it home. Enjoy it. So, um, hey, in the back, just in case, I think music might be on a little bit if you can turn that, just in case it is. Hey, um, just so you guys know, and we're caught up into what's, what's happening here, a um, couple little things. So some of you know our story, and some of you know our journey, and some of you maybe not so much, so I'll catch you up. Last uh, July, like a year and a half ago, we started doing prayer meetings in our house just for the, the city of Deerfield we started doing prayer walks kind of in the area last fall. Um, it turned into like Sunday meetings and barbecues and hangouts at our house. And uh, this September, last September, we kind of turned into start like, let's go through the Bible together and let's start building our team. And so what we've just kind of been walking through from September to today is like, we've been trying to really build this community, trying to get like focused on just what is our values, what is our mission, what do we want to fight for and be known for as a, as a church here. And so we're actually going through a series kind of on our values right now. And, and next week is, is kind of like our, our launch date as a church. So meaning we've been trying to build community, build groups, build kids ministry, get people that can kind of help plug in and serve so we can meet the basic needs of those who might come in here. So if you're with us for the first day, we just want to say welcome. We're actually finishing up our series on our, our four values as a church. And so I'm going to explain that and walk through that. But next week is a big week for us. We're excited to kind of just kind of officially go, hey, we are here, and we want to love and serve Deerfield, and we want to love and serve our area. And uh, had a really cool meeting with the principal of the school this week, and it's excited to have us. Um, it's excited for the impact we want to make at the school with the teachers and the students. It's, it's really cool to see what the Lord's doing. So just want to say thank you. We're glad you're here and just kind of catch you up to speed with where we're at. So let me kind of explain. So we are going through a series on our values, and you can kind of see them here. And not to like complicate it, but we, these are just things we want to be known for. These are things we want to fight for, these are, we want these to guide us and like kind of lead us in case we kind of go, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? We want these things to kind of be the guardrails in a sense. And so the first week was simply this. We want to be all about Jesus. We want to magnify Jesus. We want to glorify Jesus. We want people to know Jesus. We are built, uh, we're building this church on the foundation of Jesus, just by him and for him. And so it kind of starts there and ends there. Kind of everything goes back there. We'll, we'll talk about that. But ne the next week we talk about how we, we equip believers, meaning we want to be a church that's all about God's word that we want to go through his word. We're starting the gospel of Mark next week, and we're going to spend the year just talking about the life and ministry of Jesus. And then last week, we looked at we experienced life together or community. And so we don't want to just do church. Yes, we want to be the church. We want to be in each other's lives, though. Like, we want to know each other. I want to know, I want to know like you. I want you to know me. I want you to know people in this, in this body here. And so, and then lastly, we're talking about mission. And so rather than like, I know this isn't a big deal, but it's like Jesus, his word, community, mission. I mean, those are kind of the simple things of the church, but really we want to be known for these and fight for these. So we're going to talk about mission today. And, and kind of so far, it's like, here's, here's a, you know, who we are, here's what we're designed for. But today's going to be more like, here's what we're doing. Here's how we want to advance the kingdom of God. Here's how we want people who, to hear about Jesus and know Jesus. And so we're going to try to now more get into specifics in some ways and, and that, that kind of community of here's how we want to do that, but here's really the DNA of mission. So let me just explain this. Because we hear the word mission and our mind kind of goes somewhere. We think of like something in a third world country that people do over there. You get on an airplane, that's where you do missions. So I'm kind of dropping the S and it's just simply mission. Not that we do missions, but we're just on mission. All right? So if we could just get something ingrained today is we're not doing missions, 
somewhere you do over there, but we are on mission. That I want every one of us to view our backyard as our mission field. And so that is kind of the hope, that is the desire. So we have another way of putting it. If you can go to the next slide just so you can kind of see this. Uh, we, we say, we engage in God's mission. This is like our missiology. This is like how we, we're going to study and focus on mission, and then this is what we're doing. So when I say missiology, all that really means is the study of mission. So let me just say this. Our methods will change on how we reach people, but our message will never change. So our message will constantly stay the same. We want people to know Jesus Christ and crucified and resurrected and glorified. Our message is, is going to stay the same, but our methods and how we do that will change. And so we're going to talk about that and, and maybe some ways we want to implement mission into our groups and, and some things like that. So that's kind of our, our hope, our focus in this. But let me define mission for you just in case, like, what does this mean? It's a Christian word. I hate Christianese. Here's the idea of mission. Uh, mission simply means actively looking, demonstrating, contextualizing. We'll talk about that and communicating the gospel in everyday life. Again, we're actively doing this. We're looking for opportunities. We're going to coffee shops not to just to get coffee, but who can we share Jesus with there? We're not just going to get groceries. We're trying to find people who don't know Jesus. Like, we, we want to be active in it. Not that we say, you know, compartmentalize our life, but this is just a part of our everyday DNA. And so that is kind of the idea of this, and this is something we all need, that all of us are on mission. My goal today would be that everyone in this room who believes in Jesus Christ would realize there's this great call that we have a responsibility to go, that we have been sent. You know, one guy, this author who I really, you know, respect and what he writes, his name is Chris Wright, he said this about missions. He says, the mission of God's people is far too big to be left only to missionaries. The mission of God's people is far too big to be left only to missionaries. Like, there's such a big mission field in front of us, we can't be like, oh, let's just support that one person really far away. Like, this is all of us. You know, and, and here's the last thing I want to clarify, and then we'll read our text, but why, why? Like, what is the purpose of this? And really, here, here's the thing for all of us. We are sitting here because someone reached us. Even if it's a family member, we are sitting here because someone says, I need to tell my son, my daughter, I need to tell my friend, I need to tell my nephew, I need to tell someone, I need to tell you about Jesus. We are sitting here probably because someone shared with us. You know, we are beneficiaries of those who think missionally. Get what I'm saying? So there's now a responsibility to share that as well. And so why does this exist? What's the purpose of this? Why do we have this? There's a famous quote by John Piper that has to be shared and read whenever you talk about missions. So listen to this. He says, missions, listen, missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. There will be a day that we won't need to do this. But right now, we need to do this. Right now, this is important for us. So for these values, in a sense, it starts with Jesus, goes to mission to get really back to Jesus. You get that? Like, it's circular. It's like, we got to go back to it. So that's the, that's the point. That's the hope. So let's read Romans chapter 10, verse 9. We'll read this, and then we'll kind of uh, dive in a little bit deeper. Romans chapter 10, just to kind of give you a heads up, Paul, probably like me and a lot of us, he talks in really long sentences so it's very hard sometimes to like, where was he going with this? So we're going to kind of jump into a middle of a long sentence from Paul, all right? So in case you're like, what's happening? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Paul writes that, great way to start, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All those who believe say amen. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, 
Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. How simple is that? How beautiful is that? Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. There's no partiality with God is what he's saying. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and by hearing by the word of God. If there's one thought here, we're going to pray over this, is that you are sent. How, how can they hear unless those, they are sent and you are sent? We've been sent, and we are sending, and we'll continue to send those sent into the mission field to preach Jesus. Let's just pray over this. We're going to spend some time in prayer today, just to give you a heads up, because we can't just talk and be like, bye. We have to pray over this. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send out labors into the harvest. So that, that's why we're going to pray, because there's a great harvest, and, and we're told to pray for that. So let's pray right now. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that we can come to you and talk to you, that, God, we can hear your word. And just even remind us, God, before we are sent, you were sent. God, before you've ever told us to do anything, you did it. Thank you so much for that, God. Just always bring our hearts back to the gospel. Always bring our hearts back to we were the lost, we were the vulnerable, we were the neglected, and yet you came to us. And so, Lord, thank you for that. So speak to our hearts right now in your wonderful name. Amen. Everyone, everyone is on a mission, right? Like, regardless of who you are or what you believe, if you're a Christian or not a Christian, every single person lives with a mission of some sort. And this is really important for us to understand. The idea of mission is not just a Christian or a religious term. Like, everyone has a mission in life. Whether or not they even know it, they're living for something. They're living to accomplish something. Whatever they might esteem at the highest regard, they are on a mission to get that or to do that or to accomplish that, right? Like, think about the different missions you and I have had, maybe throughout your younger years or today, this, everyone has a sense, a sense of call or mission. When I was in second grade, my mission was to get Lindsay to like me. That was my mission. In third grade, my mission was to get Kara to like me. In, in sixth grade, my mission was to get Sharice to like me. Uh, mission not accomplished on any of those. Uh, in eighth grade, my mission was to get Jessica to like me. Still failed at that one. And in tenth grade, my wife's mission was to get me to like her and mission accomplished, right? Uh, and it's true. <laughs> But we've all had a mission we, we fight for, we long for, we try to accomplish and get done, and that's kind of our focus and our mind. And think about companies, think about businesses. A lot of them, most of them, most, really every good one, has some sort of mission statement. Like, this is why we exist. We exist too. And they usually have theirs, and sometimes it's easy to remember, sometimes it's hard. It's different than a slogan, it's different than their vision, but it's saying this is our mission, this is why we exist. And it's fun to even read companies' mission statement and why they exist. And it's hard in a sense to like take the Bible and put it in a, into a one sentence. And for us here at this church, in a sense, ours would be this, to exchange sin for salvation through Jesus. And, and here's what I mean by that, in case you're like, wait, that's just too, here, there's this, we want people to encounter the living and true God. We want them to say, I surrender my life for your life. I'm going to give up my will for your will. And that is not just a one-time thing. Can I just be honest? When I say to exchange sin for salvation, that includes discipleship. 
Let me explain salvation. Salvation is so much more than you got saved at one point years ago. Salvation happened, salvation is happening, and salvation will happen. So this includes all of discipleship. The idea of salvation is it's, it's happened at one point. God rescued me, redeemed me, he justified me. But he's still saving me. We call that sanctification. He's still daily making me more into the image of Christ. And then one day he will glorify me. One day when I see Jesus face to face, we will be like him. And that is called glorification. And this, this is all under salvation. Salvation is a broader term than maybe how we use it. It's a beautiful term. And we want people to exchange their sin for salvation. Something that happened will happen and will continue to happen until they see Jesus face to face. And so we, des- we desire to make disciples in that way, to preach the gospel in that way, kind of under that umbrella. And so I'm sharing this because, again, what is, your, what is our mission in life? Like, what is God calling all of us to, and how do we carry that out? And, and what gets us sidetracked from our mission? I mean, how do churches start off well, and then maybe years down the road we get sidetracked? And I want to be careful for us. How do we never get sidetracked from what God has called us to ultimately? How do we realize it's not about how we start, but it's about how we finish? That's not so much about the starting day and the beginning time. We want to lay a good foundation, but we want to finish well. And we want to think not one year, but five years, but ten years. So the day we die, to our kids, our grandkids, our great-great-grandkids, we want to pray for those generations. How do we do that? How do we finish well in that light? You know, I, I hear something I want to share with you, and I don't want to overwhelm you with these terms, but I'm going to throw out some, some fun theological terms, all right, just to annoy some of you. Um, we want to be a church that is called theocentric, and that just simply means a God-centered church. And you're like, well, that's obvious, right? Well, not always. We want to be a church that asks questions, God, does this please you? God, is this what you want? God, is this your will? Not what we want. There's another term that people use. It's called ecclesiocentric, meaning a church-centered church. It's more about maybe the church than it is even God. It's more asking questions that, well, what does this church member want, not what does God want? Then there's another term called an anthropocentric church. An anthropocentric ter- church, some of you guys have taken anthropology or went to school for the, like, the study of man. The idea is we are a man-centered church. We ask questions like, what do people want when they come to church? What do people want to feel and experience and hear? And how can we entertain them and blow fire and juggle elephants? Like, what can we do to, like, really? And the idea behind that is, again, it's a man-centered church. For us, I love R.C. Sproul. I don't know if you guys know him, but great man of God who wrote a lot of awesome things. He recently passed away. If you ever can get your hands on any of his writings, awesome. But he recently passed away, and he said there are really ultimately two kinds of church, a theocentric church and an anthropocentric church. Either you're all about God or you're all about yourself. And so we want to be a church that says we want to fight for being a theocentric. We want to be all about God and, and what he wants and how he tells us to live and his mission for us. And we're actually, I, I love this about the word of God. I believe we have God's mission statement, and we'll look at that. We have w- what Jesus came for and what he came to do. So we want to be a God-centered church in everything we do. Just, and let's fight for that. That's not going to just begin with me. That's going to ha- happen here with all of us. But let me just say this. I have a few thoughts on mission today I do want to share with you, but I have to like start here. Before we talk about what is mission and how do we do mission, before we talk about any of that, the question is, do you and I believe this? Before I say, guys, go and tell people about Jesus, do you believe in Jesus? Like, do you know Jesus? You know, I think the depth of our belief will be the depth of our commitment or the depth of our boldness. The depth of how much I believe in Jesus will be the depth of how, much, how bold I am for Jesus. So do we really believe that Jesus, God himself, entered her history and died on a cross and took our sins and that three days later he rose again from the grave and if you believe on him, you'll be saved and you might die, but you'll immediately be in the presence of God. Do you believe that? And, and not just do you believe that, but do you surrender yourself to that? Do you give yourself to that on a daily basis? Do you remind yourself of those truths constantly? Is this a belief that you not had, had, but you have, a belief you're exercising constantly your faith in? 
Do we honestly believe that if people don't know Jesus and they die, they'll be separated from God in hell for all of eternity? Do you believe that? And if we believe that, how do we not do anything? Like, how do we not go do something for that? You know, there's an interesting video, and I wish I could play it now, but I'm not. It's an interview, or not an interview, but Penn and Teller, you guys know that guy, and some of you have seen this video. It's just really powerful, but Penn gets up and kind of does a personal, like, you know, YouTube film account of him, the, the magician, guys. Basically, he, he talks about this scenario where after one of his shows, a Christian approached him and gave him a Bible. And you should re- just watch this video. He, he says so many good things about this Christian. He goes, man, he came so respectfully. I've met a lot of Christians who, he's like, who didn't come respectfully. He complimented me. About, he complimented me. He complimented the show. He said a lot of nice things. He gave me a Bible and said, I just want you to read this. This is a gift to you. He wrote in the Bible. And he said, I, he goes, I don't believe what that man believes, but if he really believes that I would be in hell forever based off me not knowing his Jesus, he goes, I so respect him for telling me this. Because if he didn't tell me this, he goes, that would be the most unloving thing that guy could have done. And here's a non-believer thanking believers for proselytizing is what he called it. He's thanking Christians for saying, because if we really do believe a bus is coming and about to take someone's life, and I go, oh, bus is coming, oh well, and we don't try to get in the way and pull someone out of that, he goes, do you really even care about that human? So my thing is this, before we can even talk about mission, do we really believe this ourselves? Are you convinced of this? Am I convinced of this? That Jesus is everything he said he was. And do we, do we study that? Do we look at that? Do we just believe that flippantly? Or do we actually have reasons for why we believe in Jesus? So this is, just, this is like kind of the key of all of it. So before I say go, it's like, do you know? Do you believe? But now let's talk about going. All right, so with that, here's the first thought about mission. Three thoughts on missions. Number one is this, and this is so important. Number one is this, God is on mission. God is on mission. Do we realize that before God says go, God went? that our God is on mission. We serve a missionary God. If you would write this verse down, it's Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10. Jesus said what? I have come, the Son of Man has come, to seek and to save that which is lost. I love this. This is Jesus' mission statement. Jesus says, here's why I came, to seek and to save the lost. That is why I'm here. I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. So we serve a God who himself went God does not say go without him first going. Do we understand that? You know, in theology again, in, in the Latin terminology, it's kind of funny because it's Latin, right? It's called missio dei. And that simply means the mission of God. This is how, this is how theologians would write about this. That before mission, is, before it's an activity of the church, it's an attribute of God. Do we get that? An attribute of God is that God went. God seeks. I love this because God's not in heaven being like, well, if you just believe this, God actually became what you believe. God became tangible. God took on human. We talked about this during Christmas, right? But it's a beautiful story that God took on flesh. So we serve a missionary God. God first came before he tells us to go. And so not to like overdo this, but just so we kind of know that the storyline of the Bible, we talked about this when we talked about Jesus, our first value. But the storyline of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, it's really broken up into four acts. You have creation, you have the fall, you have redemption, you have restoration. So let me explain these terms, if you can throw that up there. Here's that idea. God created all things. God spoke all things into existence. God created all things. And immediately God created man in his image, and we turn our back on God, we disobeyed God, and we call that the fall. That's where sin came into the world. That's why we see disease and rape and murder and pain. God created everything good, but we turn our back on God, and we welcomed the opposite of that in. And so there's this fall that happened. There's a sin that happened. It's really what sin is, is the de of God. Sin is saying, I'm taking God off his throne and I can do it myself. It's a de of God. 
And then what happens is this promise that there'll be one who will come and will redeem all things. That he will be the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world, and that's where Jesus came on the scene. And so we live in this time period of, of redemption, if we can't put that slide up, redemption and restoration. So that Jesus came and redeemed all things. He rose again from the grave. He ascended into heaven. And yet he says, I'm coming back. And so we're waiting for the day where Jesus comes back and makes all things new and restores all things. And that is what we're looking for. And here's the point why I'm saying this. There's a guy who, who writes about this. Again, he says, Christians need to start reading the Bible differently. A lot of times we read the Bible about ourselves. We read it selfishly. We go, what is, what is, I need this. God, speak to me about this. And we read the Bible kind of selfishly. He's saying, no, read the Bible missiologically. Read the Bible with the mindset that God came, that God was sent, that God's pursuing, that God is not in heaven, just kind of like, doesn't really care about the pain and suffer of this world. That what breaks our hearts breaks God's hearts way more. That what might frustrate us, in a sense, the pain and suffering we see, that God's like, I care more, way more than you and I can ever imagine. We serve a missionary God. So God was sent. God came. And again, this is going to be so transformative. As we realize we are sent, know that first God came himself. And I'm so thankful God pursued me. Guys, no one's ever, no one's ever pursued God before God pursued them. We love him because he first loved us. We pursue him because he first pursued us. Whenever I talk to somebody who feels like God is distant and God is far and God doesn't care and why doesn't he see this? And it's like, do you understand that your God is constantly pursuing you? And he showed it on the cross. He'll show it today. Like our God is constantly pursuing you. He loves you more than you and I can ever imagine. So we serve a missionary God. And I really want that to sink in. That before I say you go, again, God went. So number two is this. So we serve a God who's on mission. Number two, God has called us to mission. God has called us to mission right? We know the most famous passage in the Bible for a lot of Christians who are like, the, you know, the Bible scholars, like Matthew 28, go into all the world and make this, like, that's, that's true. That, that is so true, but let, let me kind of point this out. We call that what? Matthew 28, 18, we call that the great, the great commission, right? The great commission. And we got to understand what that means. It's the great co-mission. Co-mission. Like, we're on a co-mission with God. God first went. And it's not like just this great, I used to like read that like wrong, like commission, like I don't know, it's not like job or like pay, but like commission. But it's like, no, the great co-mission. Like God is on mission. Join him in this mission. He's doing this. He's seeking this out. There's a book I would really recommend when it comes to this. It's called Godspeed. A guy by name uh, Britt Merrick. And he, he said this about mission. He says, the church is the people of God called to God, sent by God for the glory of God to meet the needs of the world with God. Isn't that good? He's like, this is mission. You're called by God, sent by God to meet the, meet the needs of the world with him. This is mission. God first went and we are joining him in this mission. We are called to join him in this, in this thought. Next quote, we'll throw up here for you. It's just powerful. He said, uh, a guy named Alan Hirsch said, when the church is in mission, it is the true church. The church itself is not only a product of that mission, but is obligated and destined to extend it by whatever means possible. The mission of God flows directly through every believer and every community of faith that adheres to Jesus. To obstruct this is to block God's purposes in and through God's people. We are the product of mission. We are the product of someone reaching out to us. So therefore, we have to go and reach out to others. Now, I want to share a quick little thought on you. When I, with you when it says, uh, number two, God has called us to mission. Here's something really important, I think, for all of us to grasp. Because sometimes we can, can, you know, we can kind of misunderstand this. We are not saying, go stand on the street corner and hold those signs and be like, honk, if you want to turn or burn. Like, we're not going to be, like, weird about just this idea of evangelizing. But there, but there is a side where we do need to go and understand our culture and understand our context. 
Guys, before I can really share with someone, many times I need to know them. Not every time. But before I, I try to shove something down their throat, I need to let them know that I love them and I care for them, and more importantly, God loves them and God cares for them. I think what we talk about, sometimes we miss the mark when it comes to evangelizing, is this difference between evangelizing and mission. And this is where I want to get really clear. There is a difference between evangelizing and living on mission. When you live on mission, you have a mindset of a missionary. You're going to go and try to understand the culture first before you start barking at it, before you start yelling at it. You're going to try to love it and serve it before you just start saying things. There's something really important about this. It's called, again, it's called contextualizing. What does that mean? A simple definition means presenting the unchangeable truths of the gospel within the unique and changing context of cultures and worldviews. We're presenting the unchanging gospel with an ever-present culture that's changing and trying to figure out how is it changing. What's the best, what's the best way I can word this or approach this? What's the humility I need in this? What's the boldness I need in this? We're trying to understand our context before we share. Tim Keller said about context, he says, contextualization is not giving people what they want. It is giving God's answers, which they probably don't want, to the questions they're asking and in forms they can comprehend. That is contextualizing. That is living missionally. So I'm not just saying, start telling everyone. Like We're just saying, understand their scenario. But sometimes we can share with someone we don't realize they, they lost a loved one. We don't realize that their week is just, they lost their job or their, their life has fallen apart. We're like, you should believe in Jesus. They're like, I just need help. You know, sometimes we should live more with that mindset of help me understand this context before I just start telling it what to do or what to believe. That's kind of what we, we get known for. You know, Barna came out with this research. 76% in 2016, Barna interviewed Christians who they believe these certain things. And 76% of Christians believe they are not called to share their faith. 76% of Christians said there's no, there's no obligation. And somehow the, I think the enemy's also tricked us into thinking, just keep it to ourselves and don't share it with others. That's also missing the mark. You see, we, we need to understand our context, but we also need to eventually share. You know, a guy named Ed Stetzer who writes a lot about this, he works for the Billy Graham Evangelistics Association. He, uh, he said this about mission. I thought it was really, really good. He says, I don't think that you can love or reach a community if you don't know it. Evangelism involves telling people about Jesus. Mission involves understanding them before you tell them. Missional thinking, when it precedes evangelism, helps us to more effectively share the gospel. Would you agree? Missional thinking before evangelism helps them to really understand the gospel, helps them really receive the gospel. So this is what we're talking about. We're saying living on mission. We're saying be tactful, be strategic, be smart, be in prayer. Be in prayer for individuals. Wait for that right time. And eventually we do need to share, though. Eventually we do need to share. And so this is the idea of we are called to mission. Now, I want to share a quick little thought with you guys because this, this is for me where I get stuck sometimes because sometimes I get stuck on the method. We're like, I, I see another Christian doing something, and I'm like, ah, I don't know if I would do it that way. I don't like that. You know, someone one time was talking to D.L. Moody, who's a great evangelist, right? They're talk this woman was talking to D.L. Moody, and she said, you know, I don't like your style of evangelism. And D.L. Moody responded and said, I like my method of evangelism more than your method of not doing evangelism, right? Like, it's, if there's a part of that that's just like, you know what? I can give this group of people a hard time or that group of people. It's like, you know, I just appreciate that they're going out there, that by faith they're just stepping out. And maybe it wouldn't be my way of doing it, but maybe I can just appreciate it. And maybe there's a side, too, where we've seen people get hurt by that. I've also been in Huntington Beach on a pier, and, and this guy was speaking, and he's on a box, looking on a box, and, a, and he says, he's talking to this guy who said, hey, I'm an atheist, and I believe that all this is nonsense. He goes, well, if you're an atheist, you're going to hell, and you know nothing. And he, he just said that. I'm like, what are you doing? This guy walks away, and I'm just like, I'm like, you know, my wife and I were there. I'm like, do I talk to him? He's angry. Everyone's angry. He's a famous evangelist. My heart just breaks for this guy. You know, how do we do it tactfully and lovingly, but how also how do we, how do we find a method that kind of can fit our context? 
And I love that this is where prayer comes in, and this is where creativity comes in, and this is where we can't just do what we did 20 years ago because it worked 20 years ago. This, again, the message will stay the same, but our methods do have to change. Amen? And that's the idea of living on mission. And again, here's the thing. We have to share. Now, there's a story in 2 Kings 6. If you could, please reread this story. This is powerful. We'll throw a couple of verses up here. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7, it's one of, my, one of the most convicting stories. The nation of, of, of Israel happens to be in the city of Samaria, and the Syrians, if you guys know the story, and you don't have to read this verse yet, but Samaria uh, is where the nation of Israel is camped out. And the Syrians come, and they surround this, this walled city. They surround Samaria, this walled city. So think about this. This is very strategic and smart of the enemy, the Syrians. They go, we're going to starve them. They can't leave. They can't get resources. They can't send resources. They can't do anything. We're going to be camped around the city until they just starve to death. And if you guys read this story, I mean, there's crazy, like, starvation happening. You can see the text here. It says, and there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of, of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. People are so desperate, they're cutting up their animals, eat, making donkey head soup, right? Eating bat droppings, paying silver, paying good money for this because there's nothing they can find within their city walls because the resources are running very low. And I don't, there's another verse right after this that talks about a woman who talks to another woman and says, hey, we eat your son right now, we eat my son tomorrow. And she, they cannibalize, eat her son, and then the next day they don't eat her son, and the king, she goes to the king and says, king, we ate my son, and I want to eat the other person's son. And the king going, how did we come to this point? I mean, just imagine that mindset. Imagine how dark it got. Imagine how people are just, you know, just starving to death and literally turning to cannibalization. It's crazy. It's nonsense. Well, if you guys remember the story in 2 Kings 6, Elisha is praying, and the Syrians around the camp, they see this, this army around them, this chariot of fire. They go, the enemy's here, or they don't see it, but they hear the voice of it, or the, the, the foot stomping of it. So the Syrians leave, they flee. So here's Israel in Samaria with nothing to eat, and they think this army's all around them, but nothing's around them. So they've run out of resources, and they think, we're going to die, because the enemy's going to kill us as soon as we leave, but the enemy's not there. The enemy's gone. The enemy heard the angels of heaven and fleed. And there's these lepers at the gate of Samaria. There's these lepers that are sitting at the gate, and they go, we can't go into Samaria. There's no food. If we go to the Syrians, we're going to die. We're lepers. We're already outcasts of the community. We have our own little pocket of people that are just lepers. So they go, you know what? Let's just surrender to the Syrians, and we'll just die by their hands. So they go to the Syrians, and they go to their camp, and they realize, oh my gosh, no one's here. So imagine these few lepers, and they just see tons of food and gold and treasures, and like, there's just so much, and they're just like eating. They go, we can't just keep this to ourselves. And I love this verse. Listen to this verse, next verse, 2 Kings 6 or 7. They said, we are not doing right. This day is a day of what? Say it. This is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Here's the thing. They go, wow, we have good news. There's food. We can live. We're not going to die today. And we have to tell people immediately because people are dying moment by moment. And we can't wait until morning because people need this message. People need to know that there's victory. People need to know that there's food available. And is this not the gospel? Is this not reflected in us that, like, wow, we need to share this? How can we not? We need to know that the enemy has lost, that our God has won, that he's conquered sin and hell and death, that we, he's conquered all of it. And he goes, how can we keep this to ourselves? How can we remain silent? You know, a guy named David Platt writes it this way. He goes, every person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every person this side of hell. And that is exactly where we're at. That God has called us to live on mission because we owe that. Because someone shared that with us. Amen? And, and just here's a thought I want to leave for our church just before we end with this, our last point. 
someone said it this way, and I thought it was so well said. They said, the presence of a healthy local church in a community is the greatest catalyst for the evangelization of that community. Please listen, guys. The presence of a healthy local church in a community. It's the greatest way to evangelize a community. It's the greatest way to, to reach out. That's why we start churches in local areas. Because we say, let's start here. Let's love this school. Let's love this principal. Let's love this staff. Let's love these teachers, and let's kind of move out. That's why we plant church. That's why we do these things. That's why we take risks. That's why we do things that are uncomfortable. Because the greatest way to evangelize a community is through the local church. Amen? And number three, lastly, is this thought. And I want to share this thought with you. Number three, God works with us on his mission. God is on mission. God God has called us to mission. But know that God works with us on his mission. It's his mission. It's his mission. And, And God works with us to help accomplish his mission. And right in Matthew 28, when Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples, teach them to obey all the things I've commanded, and what does he say? He goes, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So not just like I'm with you guys, but even to the end of the age. Like, hey, he's with us. Even right now, he's with us. That we're not alone in this. That, that Jesus said, I will send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, and he'll testify of me. That he'll be with you, and he'll be in you, and he'll come upon you. That we're not alone in this. That we have to do this in our own creativity, in our own strength, that we actually have God himself who's with us. You know, I love in the book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples, and and they're evangelizing, and people are getting saved, and there's this crazy revival happening, and they take Peter aside, and they want to throw him in prison, and and in Acts 4.13, Peter just gave this amazing gospel presentation, right? In Acts 4.13, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, amen, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I would love it if people would say, man, they must have been with Jesus, the way they talk, the way they carry themselves, that is not them. That is not their strength. They must have been with Jesus. And, and there's a side of this, guys, where to, in order to tell people we must be with Jesus, there's no way when I wake up and just go and start my morning without being with Jesus or spending time with him that I have this in my own strength. Like, let me tell people about Jesus when like, I'm very, you know, <laughs> not filled myself. Like, it's very hard. Like, we have to spend time with Jesus. We have to be filled so we can give. It has to flow from that time. And I just want to share a, th- a few thoughts. There are some lies we tell ourselves when it comes to evangelizing. There are some lies we tell ourselves when it comes to sharing with other people. Here's just the first thought. You might agree or not agree, whatever. But it says, number one, I wrote this. A life on mission is for the, pa- is for the pastor or for those who work at a church. That's a lie we tell ourselves. We say, no, 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 no. Those who reach the community, that's for the, like, the staff. There's, there's no one on staff here. Like, <laughs> that's for the pastor. That's for us. Like, no, this is not for that. Like, this is, this is us. This is for all of us. God has called all of us to mission. That lie of like, oh, it's for the church people. They're like, no, this is for us. Number two, mission is done overseas. Again, I've kind of mentioned that, but we have to get this out of our mind. Like, I dropped the S, but missions, mission is done overseas. Other people do that over there. We are just spiritually as poor as other nations. Might be physically poor. We might have physical wealth, but we are spiritually poor. And we need to re-evangelize our nation. A lot of people think they know the gospel. They've heard a form of the gospel. But I don't know if they've heard the, the grace of God that we've heard. I don't know if they've heard it put in their terms or in their words. We need to re-evangelize our community. Number three, um, I'm not gifted to do mission. This isn't me. What does it say in Acts 1? Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Like when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're just going to be a witness. It's not a matter of gifting, it's a matter of do you have the Spirit. Like if the Holy Spirit's in you and upon you, it's just going to come. You're just going to be a witness. It's not going to be like, go witness. It's like, you are a witness. And that is the difference. I used to think I had to go witnessing. 
I used to think like, oh, it's time to go evangelize. Like that used to be my mind when I was younger because that's what we would talk about. Like go share with that person. But what if it's like I just share? Like it just comes out naturally. I'm just, I'm not going to go witness. I am a witness. It's going to be part of my life. It's going to be part of my blood. It's going to be part of my DNA. Just who I am. Number four is this. Uh, I need to know them first. Yes, contextualizing is important. But you never know in the moment what Jesus might say, hey, share this with them. Hey, hey tell them this. And in some ways, I heard, I went to a conference one time when someone said, you cannot share the gospel with someone unless you know their last name. And he was like adamant about that, that you cannot share the gospel because you need to know your culture, know your context. And I agree, you need to know your culture, know your context. But I don't think you need to know their last name. I, I think you just need to know that they need Jesus. That's all you need to know is they need Jesus and I need to share that with them. And, and you know, I might not know every detail about them, but you know, I do need to get to the point where I can share with them this good news. Number five, I don't know enough scripture to share. This is, I think, a lie we tell ourselves. I don't know the word of God enough to share. Can I just encourage you guys, if you've grown up in the church, let's just say you're even saved for like a year, or you've been around this for a little bit. When you walk into a Walmart or wherever, you know more about the word of God than probably 95% of the people in that store, in that room. Do we get that? Do you get that? Like, even you go, I don't know the, I don't know the verse. I don't know where it's at. You have the word of God hidden. Like, you will be surprised when you open your mouth what will come out. I'm just saying, people go, I don't know enough to share. It's like, trust me, you know way more than everyone else in that area. You have enough to share with them. You have enough to give them. And, and here are some ways we're going to carry this out. And I, I know I've said this, so I'm going to make this quick. Here are some ways, when we talk about a value of the church, here are ways we're going to carry that out. Number one, I've said this a lot, but we are on mission. We, wanna, we want to be on, we want to not just do missions. Like, again, we might not have a lot of Saturday morning outreaches, and we might just say, I hope in your daily life, it's a part of, it's just a part of us ingraining us. If we can teach people to make it a part of their everyday life, we won't have to do it once a month. If we can be doing it every day, it's not like, let's do it once a month because uh, that's the only time we do it. We would love to do it more than that. Number two, the idea of this, of mission is this. And listen, please, like for us, our church, we're going to love like Jesus loved. Like if we're going to actually share the gospel, we have to love like Jesus loved. And that might be just really sacrificial and really humbling, and, and it might be really difficult. That might mean generosity. That might mean generosity with their time. But we're going to love like Jesus loved. We're going to do this for people since a love greater than us. Natu- by nature, I'm not a loving person. By nature, my heart is wicked and corrupt. But yet the love of God has been so poured in my life, you're going to see the love of God come out, hopefully. And that's how it should be for all of us. So we're going to love like Jesus loved. And number three, we're going to take risks for the kingdom. And I, wanna, I really want to be clear, because I, I think sometimes the danger of, of, of just church in general is we get comfortable so we stop taking risks. So, like, this might mean we, we will go talk to people where they are at. And that freaks Christians out. It's like, well, what if that Christian went in the bar and they shared that person? Like, and again, 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 I know, again, I know, I know, understand, understand their background or their matter, all that stuff matters. But can I tell you, we're not going to re- reach unbelievers by saying, come to us. We got to go to them. That might freak some of you out, but we got to take risks. We might need to do a small group in public areas that are not Christian at all, that are so anti God. Like, that's good. Let us bring the light to them. Not like, hey, darkness, come see the light. Like, no, light, go to them. Again, you are the salt of the earth. You are a city on a hill. Not do salt, not be a light. Like, you are that. That is our essence. That is our nature. It needs to just come out that way. So we might do things like we're going to go put ourselves in an uncomfortable spot to reach people who are far from God. Because we cannot expect them to come to us. I think that is arrogant. That is naive. That's like, it's sad when we go, we just, we're not going to go to them. They're going to come to us. And we're going to be okay with their little Christian circle. And we're just going to ask they come to our Christian circles. It can't be that. We gather here so we can scatter. 
Do we get that? We gather and we scatter. We gather and we scatter. That is the church. Let's gather and get refueled and fed, you know, fed and grow in our faith and grow in our love for God. Like, let's do that and gather, but let's scatter. Let's go out into our community. And so there will be times where there are Christians who are in their faith and they're mature and they can handle this, but they might go to places that are going, why are they there? It's like because they're going to be a light there. They're not going to participate. They're not going to affirm it, but they're going to help transform it in the midst of it. And that freaks some of us out because we like to only have holy huddles. But we've got to get out of that. So we will take risks for the kingdom of God. Amen? It needs to be Joshua and Caleb. See the giants? Give me the giants. They're bread. I'm going to eat them up today. I'm going to take those giants and take them down because they're bread for me. And I love that perspective. That is what we want. We, just want this, we don't want the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So here's what we are going to do, just to like a, kind of for us in our context. We're going to pray. And not everyone here needs to pray. But we are going to get into groups in just a minute. And we're going to pray. Can we do that? Can the church pray? Is that okay to make church about prayer? We're going to pray. But let me just say a couple things for us. Um, last week we talked about community. And so we have community groups that just started. And we'd love for you to be part of our community groups because this is the best way to own it. And just so you guys can like hear this and know this, it's not like it's a crazy, big, lofty thing. But something we're asking our groups to do, we're giving our groups 100 bucks a month and saying, pray about ways you can love and serve your community. And so it's funny. You know, if you ever see a church do a big event, that a lot of money goes into that, a lot of money. With this way of doing it, we're going to say, here's 100 bucks, but we're praying that God will take the five loaves and two fish and just multiply it and just do a lot with it. And, you know, me and one other guy, <laughs> we got to go to a laundromat, and we brought rolls of quarters, and we just walked up to them. We're like, two other guys, and we're like, hey, we want to buy your laundry today. It's on us, and can we want to pray for you. And they're talking through us with their little, you know, the hole in his throat. And he's like talking to us and sharing his story. And we're praying with them. And we gave him devotionary. And we gave one guy devotion. We gave one guy a Bible. And we got to pray with them. And it's so good. Man, like, that's the best use of 10 bucks I've ever spent. Right? It doesn't take much. My point is we want to be creative with this. I'm excited to see what those six community groups are going to do with 100 bucks a month and hear those God stories. It's not crazy amount of money. I get that. But that's what we have. And we're going, God bless these five loaves and two fish and multiply it. And let's reach people in your name. And I'm, I'm sharing that with you because I do want you to know our community groups have to be on mission together. That's the point. Again, I said this last week, but if all we're doing is going, how was your week? How was your week? How was your week? And they're like, no, everyone leaves the same. It's like, eventually we got to go, let's go together. We, we know how your week was. Let's now go. <laughs> let's now help people. And so we want to have community that's on mission. And so these, these are not just things we're just trying to say like, oh, these are cool. Like we really want to be led by the spirit and have his word lead us in this way. So I'm asking you to do a couple things. We're going to pray. But I'm asking that you guys would pray for one person by name. One person by name, you go, I know I need to share the gospel with this person, but I'm just too afraid to because I think they're too prideful. Pray for that person. I know I need to pray with this family or share with this family member, but they're a family and that's really hard. Pray for that person. I know I need to invite someone to just taste and see the Lord is going to hear the gospel. Pray for that person. And maybe you don't need to, you might not pray. Just say, hey, I don't, you know, can you pray for this person? Ask someone in your little circle to do that. But we're going to spend some time in prayer right now. And then I'm going to come back up, close this out in prayer, and I'll let you guys go. But we want to turn this into a house of prayer. Amen? So we're going to pray for people by name. And we're going to ask that next week, guys, we're going to ask, we're starting the gospel of Mark. We're starting the life and ministry of Jesus. What better than have them come hear that? We'd ask them to pray about who you can bring to hear that. That'd be great. But we're asking that you first go to them. So let's do this. I'm not going to pray. I'm going to ask that you get in groups of two or three, maybe four, and that one or two of you pray. All right? We're going to take three to five minutes. Just to pray for people by name, all right? So find someone next to you. Don't be shy. Ask them, hey, who's someone I can pray for you for? Or can I just pray for you? Maybe you don't have a person. But we want to start praying for people right now, all right? Find someone in groups of two or three. Spend a few minutes in prayer.